you know, thingy yet. Roland is not back yet, but still. Okay, let's have a refresh then on the uh, thingy, on the portal. Uh, yeah, just one second. Let me just Right, folks, how are we uh, doing for sound? Flickering. I can't see the flicker at all, by the way. Okay, is this the sound? Uh, or I should say, is that the mic? Okay. All right, alhamdulillah. We're going to, inshallah. Uh, move forward on that, okay? Um, so, okay, Alhamdulillah. All right, folks. So let's um, let's get on with the the lesson where I stopped last. Okay, was uh, yeah, for man. All right, that is that is where we are. It's too late for that. No, I just need to keep it down. Um, I don't know why it's flickering. I don't know why it's flickering. Okay, I don't know why it's flickering, and I think that's only something temporary. And I, and I really don't have the energy to try to work out why. As long as we've got the microphone working, okay, so that's fine. All right, leave it. It's, it's, I've checked it. 50 hertz. Was I meant to change that? Where was I meant to change 50 the hertz? There's no hertz changing. Anyway, okay, all right. So forget that. We are in the Arabic, okay, of... We are in the Arabic of... Yeah, this is the third line, middle of the third line. Okay. Okay, we're going to be doing the last two paragraphs today. Maybe even finish this actually entire section. All right. So, uh, whoever li a leaves a condition without an excuse other than the intention, because it can never be left out, left out, or b intentionally leaves a pillar or obligation, their prayer is invalidated. However, the prayer is sound in all cases other than this. Everything else from actions and statements are all considered sunnah. It is not, note, legislated to have to perform the prostration of forgetfulness, if they are left out, these sunnah actions. But if one was to perform it, then there is no problem with that. All right? So that's the that's the section that we are, uh, that's, the, that, 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 that's the entire session that we're doing today, inshallah. Okay, folks? Um, right. 
So let's start from the shot, the 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 the, the original piece of text. Okay, from the from the top. Whoever leaves out a condition, okay, and they don't have an excuse, the prayer is going to be basically invalidated. So, for example, if you pray, and this is on the top of uh, for those who are following the commentary, um, uh, page three to eight in the Arabic. Um, at the top of page 328 in the Arabic Sharh al-Mumti'ah Sheikh Uthameen says so for example someone who prays naked alright but he had the cloth and he had the clothes to cover his aura alright so he's left a condition of the prayer which is to cover one's aura and he has no excuse so he's not yani, you know in the middle of a, a, he's, a, he's not on a desert island or something okay then his prayer is invalidated or someone who prays towards um, the opposite to the Qibla And he knows where the Qibla is But for whatever reason he prays the other way His then He did that without reason His prayer is invalidated Or for example someone He leaves a wudu Then his, uh, his prayer is invalidated Because he left a condition Without an excuse However if he leaves it With an excuse Or forgets it with an excuse Halfway through now, page 328, then Sheikh says the prayer is valid. So, for example, so for example, if a person doesn't make wudu and doesn't make a uh, and doesn't do tayammum, um, and the reason is because he is unable to do so, so not just a lack of water, but basically he's physically, you know, in a bad uh, case, he's ill in a bed or whatever. And then he prays in that position. Then even though two conditions of the prayer have been left out, the prayer is valid because he has a valid excuse. It's all about the other in the Arabic. Other means excuse, legitimate excuse. Sheikh says that our author, did, our author did something interesting. The author, he made an exception. He said, except for the niyyah. He said that, all excuses can be left out if you have an excuse. Except the niya, because it's inexcusable, basically the author is saying, to leave the niya out. Because it is in the heart, it's always there, you're always intending something, so it's always yani, going to be done. Now, a lot of the scholars were okay with this point as well. They were saying, yeah, when you think about it, a person's always thinking. I mean, obviously, unless someone doesn't have the mental capacity, and if the person doesn't have the mental capacity to even have an intention for the act of worship that they're doing, then they don't even have to do that act of worship anyway, right? They've been, they've been, uh, they're innocent in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's a side point. But the idea is, is that if the niyyah is being left out, that's just not possible. There's always going to be a niyyah of some sort. Now, Sheikh Uthameen, and I have to say, I agree entirely. Sheikh Uthameen says, well, hold on. He goes, Lakin fil And to be honest, in truth, it is possible to forget the niyyah. Yani a person can rock up to, to, to dhuhr and completely forget that he hasn't prayed dhuhr and think it's asr. Especially if he's praying it late, for example. Especially if a person's praying dhuhr late or asr very early, it's very possible to get mixed up between the two It really is So Sheikh says um, If a person Made the intention 
for Salat al-Asr at the Dhuhr time, would that prayer be valid? Well, according to the Hanbali position, or as that's been stated here, theoretically, even though if someone asks a question like I'm asking it, they're never going to say that, okay? But according to as the question is being put, if a person messes up the niyyah, okay, is the prayer valid or not? And Sheikh Uthameen asking that question right now. He's saying that if you rock up for dhuhr and you've got the niyyah for asr, what's the status of the prayer? Sheikh Uthameen says that the prayer is invalid. The prayer is invalid because he has indicated to himself, he has made the intention for something which is different to the actual act of worship that is in front of him now. Because the niyyah, he's saying, uh, because the need for that, for that, and let us, yeah. And see, he's actually, he's actually using the principle almost against what the author is saying. He goes, We agree that one can never leave the Nia out. Yeah, and the Nia is an absolute, as I said to you before, if you are unable to articulate your intention in your heart, which is where the Nia lives, of course, we've covered many times before. And in detail, the fact that, you know, to say niyat, meniyat kartahu, dorakat, blah, blah, blah. That's all bid'ah, of course. There's no doubt about that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the niyat of the heart. Sheikh Uthameen says, I also agree that the niyat, it cannot be left out. Just like the, just like what they're saying. However, they're saying because the niyat can't be left out, um, then it is, it is, an exception to the rule of excuse and not an excuse. Sheikh Uthami says, no, the niya cannot be left out and a person needs to ensure they have the right niya. They can't make a mistake with the niya. There's no such thing as an excuse or, or non-excuse, etc., etc. So, So he says, no, that that prayer would be invalidated. Okay? No, he's not agreeing with the author. Okay? Because the author is saying, And what, basically what we're saying is that if a person is trying to say, yeah, how can you excuse the intention? That's effectively the point, exactly as Mesa has written. If you were intending to pray the prayer of that time, it would be okay. But if you're intending a prayer that is not for that prayer of a time, it wouldn't. Okay. So question, isn't there a difference between mixing the niya and leaving it completely? So what would it be? What? Uh, uh, what, what would mixing the Nia look like? Give me an example. I don't know what that means. And uh, we mean bef before Solange, of course, yeah. And it is bid'ah to say the Nia out loud. Not just out loud, but even to say the Nia is bid'ah. There's no basis for that. Okay? There is no basis to say the Nia. It's not the Sunnah of the Prophet or the Companions or the Tabi'in or anything. Okay? So we should avoid that. But go back to the section on Nia in the notes for, for more details, okay? Because we covered that in a lot of detail. So, um, another scenario Sheikh puts forward, okay, he says, so if a person prays before the time, and of course, to be in the time is another condition of the prayer. He goes, if a person prays before the time, um, and he believes, though, that the, the prayer time has entered, what is the ruling on that prayer? Sheikh Uthameen, I'm going to quote his answer. He goes, he goes that 
the obligatory prayer itself would not be accepted. It is not valid. It's obligatory upon him to repeat his prayer after the time has entered. And this is uh, something which can be understood also, okay, from the author as well. And he goes, and the hadith surah, التي, uh, okay, this particular kind of scenario where a person would be in a situation where uh, they prayed before the time. Yeah. yeah, and basically what the Sheikh is basically saying is that when you think about what the Sheikh is trying to, uh, what, what the Imam, Imam al-Hajjawi, the author, is saying, the phrase is not comprehensive enough to cover everything because there's a difference between someone who prays and then realizes that they prayed before the wrong time, meaning that they prayed in the wrong time. They prayed before the time has entered. And then they look at the watch and they realize, hold on, the time has not, Yani, uh, 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 the time has not met, that the time is incorrect. Okay. So then they have to pray the prayer again. That's the correct opinion, that's the correct ruling, and that's the position of Sheikh Uthaymin. This excuse here would be invalid. The fact that they understood the time to be the wrong time. They would have to go and pray in the right time, especially as they have the right time in front of them now. And that is the inaccuracy, if you like, of this statement. This statement is not an absolute statement. Uh, um, a that Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shantiti mentions, okay, which is well known when you study fiqh, is that that when it comes to being held accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, when it comes to being judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, held accountable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the acts of worship that you're meant to do, the condition of that holding of accountability is that you are able to do that act. If you are unable to do that act because you completely forgot, it went out of your mind entirely, Right, so you are not aware of it in at all, or for example, you are sleeping entirely, or you don't have the cloth, or you don't have the direction, you don't have the ability to work out direction for qibla, or you don't have any water, or you don't have any soil, or you're locked up, then all of these will fall. That's the concept of the excuse. Okay, excuse. Right, let's have a look. Mixing is as you mentioned, he entered at asr time but did near for dhuhr. How is that mixing? Now, that is the same as no niyyah, okay? Because um, in this, in, in, because to just make a niyyah for prayer is, is meaningless. You have, to in, uh, you have to be indicating the prayer. Now, you might be referring to, I mean, I don't know if you are, but you might be referring to the fact that we said that if a person, a person doesn't have to specify dhuhr, dhuhr, at dhuhr time, because that is the prayer at that time. It doesn't have to be thinking dhuhr, 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 yani in his mind and heart, because that is what they're always praying. But I'm saying that someone who is actively saying asr has made the complete different niyyah. There's not a mixing niyyah. He's made the wrong niyyah. He's praying something else in the wrong time. So I don't, I, I, Allah Alam, I don't consider that to be mixing. I think that that is the same as, as, as leaving here is irrelevant. The point is, is that you didn't have the correct niyyah, which is a condition for that prayer. Allah knows best. Marina says, sometimes our parents calls, uh, call us by the wrong name. 
but they know internally which child they want to call for even if they mix up their names. Very good. Could we apply that analogy to mixing up the prayer names, verbally or mentally, but knowing deep down which prayer you meant to intend, you mean to intend? Absolutely, you can apply that. We're not talking about someone making a mistake in the actual phrase because the phraseology is not a condition anyway, right? So the analogy in theory is right, in practice is wrong because, as you said, deep down we know who we're calling, okay? And, you know, I mean, I call him a money all the time. Like all the time. Now I don't even bother. I don't even bother thinking about it. And I know I'm saying it wrong, but I don't bother. I know in my heart what I want to say on the tongue is something else. Now, here, that's a mistake on the tongue. To say asr and know that you meant dhahar and you're praying dhahar and you're doing nothing but dhahar, got nothing to do with asr, this is not a problem at all. We're not referring to this. We are referring to an actual person who thinks that they're praying asr. Not the example you're giving, Marina. Not at all. It's the opposite to what you're thinking. All right, this is someone who actually thinks they're praying Asr. Okay, Harith, you're having a laugh. Okay, go back to the section where we covered aura and mistakes and accidents. Stop cheating, okay? Cheeky little fish. Right. Um, so, and then Sheikh says the next part, or B, they intentionally leave a pillar or an obligation. Thank you, Mesa. By the way, that reminds me, we've started a new group. Okay. Let's see how it works out. It's on the Telegram channel. I saw the notes just recently about, you know, maybe we should consider uh, doing other things like Slack and Band and God knows what, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't really get the killer blow where, where someone put the full, uh, you know, the full research forward and said, hey, um, bro, bro. This is the problem with you, Jiva, okay? This is the problem, all right? You obviously not, have not discovered yourself, okay? I'd advise you to just look at, uh, discover you and develop your inner self, okay? Um, Dr. Zakir Naik, right, is the Mesa, is the Mesa, okay, of whatever he does in terms of quoting, okay? He's the Mesa. No, Mesa's not the, the Zakir Naik, all right? And I don't mind correcting you there. And I'll accept your apology in advance. Right. So, yes, yeah, so I was saying about Telegram group, right? Um, what someone should have done and still can do today is to put a really strong case forward for the um, uh, a Slack or a band or a symbol or signal or whatever it is and specifically prove why and how and X and Y and Z that it can be I thought you guys meant to do the research. If I was meant to do the research, then why the fish would I be asking everyone on the flipping platform to do the research? If I was going to do the research, I would have done the research. I wouldn't care less about you lot, ain't it, your packies? And it custom. Right. So, um, I don't even think what we dad's here. Oh, yeah. Uh, exactly. Honestly, with dad, Samara's just, she just, you know what they, they call this? You know, the young the young youngins call it, she's baiting. Okay, she's baiting, that's all. She's just trying to freak everybody out. Ignore her with that. Okay, but can you please give the links to the uh, group? Okay, and if there's someone who has been able to do the research properly, okay, um, and give all the pros and cons and, and confirm that, it, you know, because, for example, one of the problems with the Telegram idea is that if you use it regularly, then, because it's not good to have telephone numbers on each person's profile, okay? But... Not just that, 
there's other problems with Telegram as well because then you can be private message and that's a big headache. And you can't just turn off private messages for a group. What I would like to know if anyone uses Telegram, is it possible to turn off private messaging ability or anyone to message you from a group? Um, private messaging, I mean. That would be the only reason that I would consider an alternative to the Telegram group. So all this other signal band, blah, blah, slack. That's got to be the idea that a person... Uh, 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 you know, puts that forward as a, as a theory. How irritating is this flicker? I've never seen this flickering in my life. I don't know what's going on. All right, it is super, super irritating. Right, anyway. Um, so the Sheikh says that whoever intentionally leaves a pillar or an obligation, okay, then the prayer is going to be invalidated. So he he's basically he's got to go for ruqub, but he goes forget that and he just goes for sujood right he goes for that and then you can't rayhan i'm pretty sure you can't the point ayah is to increase the uh, interaction answer questions and uh, make announcements that's the main reason for it okay so that we can be aware we don't miss out on things um so he meant to go for ruqub then he goes for sujood Okay. Sheikh says, if he's in Ruqua and he thinks, oh man, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Let me now go back and, and go back to the Ruqua. What do you think? So he's in Sajda now. And in fairness, I'm asking you this question before we've covered how to, how to correct the prayer. So only those who have studied in Fiqh Salah with me, with Al-Maghrib before, can probably answer this question accurately, but let's imagine, yeah, a person's meant to go for ruqwa. Instead of going for ruqwa, it goes for sajda. Okay, and now while he's in sajda, he now thinks, man, I was so stupid, man. I don't know why I was why I did that. But he did it intentionally. Yeah. So he goes in sajda now. Now he wants to now go back. So what does he do? What would the process be now? Okay. Answer this from Answer this from. Okay. So the vast majority, not the vast majority, but but so far, students are saying that. Repeat the raka, repeat the raka, repeat the raka, repeat the raka, which obviously makes sense. Okay, but of course the answer is, no, you can't, as Naim said, because you've left the 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 you did it intentionally. What did the author say? The prayer is invalidated. Whereas what you guys are thinking is that the person missed it out or forgot it and so on and so forth. When a person does it unintentionally, then that's exactly what he'll do. He'll get straight back up and go to Ruqua and then he'll carry on praying from there as you're going to learn in the next couple of months or weeks. And then he will then do Sajdasah when the prayer is fixed. But when a person intentionally, as I said very clearly, does that, okay, it doesn't matter if he's remorseful, okay, if he's remorseful, then maybe Allah will forgive him. Because by the way, we got two problems here. We don't just have the fact that the prayer is invalidated. We have the problem that he's in is a sinner. He's in haram, right? So no, no. I said clearly, intentionally, right? Yeah, I mean, you think it doesn't make sense, but you know. But um, I don't know what's wrong with him. Who knows? Who knows? Um. And for example, so that's that's the leaving of a rukan, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like laziness. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of you know laziness or or arrogance or whatever a person would do to do it, right? We're not talking about mistakes. Mistakes, inshallah, coming later. Okay, and for and that's the example of leaving out uh, a rukan and leaving out a wajib. So, for example, he leaves out the first tashahud. Okay, we said that the first tashahud is a uh, obligation. Okay, and he leaves it out intentionally. So he does two rakaah and then he goes, I oh, forget that, and he stands up. Okay, then he feels, oh man, I was so stupid, and I'm going to sit down again, I'm going to do it. Now, you might think because it's a wajib, it's less, it's not as important as a rukan. The prayer is invalidated. He has to start the prayer again from uh, from new. Okay? Why does he have to start the whole prayer again? Because he did it intentionally. Now, as you guys are indicating, you guys are completely shocked. And that's because that's because you should be shocked. Because it would literally be the most insane thing ever for a person to intentionally leave the uh, prayer. Uh, sorry, intentionally... Um, uh, not leave the prayer, but intentionally, uh, you know, uh, leave something out. Okay. Um, as for the rest of the time, yeah, I mean, present validated. Oh, sorry, the question: If the person does it intentionally, the person does bid'ah. Yeah, no doubt, the person has done bid'ah, right? Technically, it's a bid'ah. There's no doubt about it. Technically, it's bid'ah. Legally, it's haram, and um. Practically, you got to start the prayer again. So, Solange is saying, look, an example would be, he's you're sinful as well. He felt compelled to prostrate. That's intentional. That could happen, you know. I mean, I can actually see that happening. I could see a person... Yeah. I, I, I completely can see that, Solange. Completely. In response to Dr. Shazad's point. In what scenario are we going to see someone intentionally leave part of the prayer? Person meant to go for ruqur and he feels yani, you know, because salah is meant to be an experience, right? Okay. So a person will be like, you know what? I need something bigger than this right now. I need something more than it. I'm just going to go straight for sajda. I could see it. I could see it happening. I mean, by the way, seeing it happening means still one in a million. But I could see that one in a million. That's my point. And I could see that in real life. I could see someone. It is an example. It's an example. It is an example. But no, they're right to ask because they're right to ask because uh, through the example and through the extreme, we we obviously learn the actual principle. But at the same time, we don't want to just be throwing out examples that are pointless. So I get I get the point. Anyway, as for the rest of the things, whether you leave it out intentionally. Yeah. Uh, whether you leave out intentionally or not, then it's okay. All right? Even if you do it intentionally. Any of the sunnah. Okay? What is an unintentional mistake? Um, so... And the point is, is that if you leave out the sunnah act, whether it's a statement or an or, or a whatever, uh, 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 intentionally, then what you've done is you've decreased the quality of the prayer, but you've not made the prayer invalid, and so you don't need to then worry about invalidation of the prayer. 
Okay. And now, وَمَا عَدَى ذَلِكَ سُنُنٌ وَأَقْوَالٌ وَأَفْعَالٌ Okay. أَقْوَالٌ وَأَفْعَالٌ Rather, then everything else from actions and statements, they are all considered sunnah. So everything other than the arkan and the, 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 the which are the pillars, the most important, and the wajibat, the, ob the obligations, then all of the, anything other than that is then sunnah, whether that's a verbal sunnah or whether that's a uh, uh, an action sunnah. And the sunnah, according to the jurists, may Allah have mercy upon them, is not the... And we, we discussed this before as well. I don't want to go into too, too much detail. That the word sunnah means different things to different people at different times, in different sciences. Okay? That's something which is a, an important point. And when we're saying sunnah here, we don't um, we don't mean uh, the sunnah as understood by the sahaba and tabi'een, the phrase sunnah. Because... Uh, when whenever the word sunnah is used in their context, yani the Sahaba and Tabi'een, it means the way of Islam. It means the path. It means the acceptance of the Prophet ﷺ, as opposed to the following of the Prophet ﷺ in minor actions. The sunnah is your aqidah. The sunnah is your belief. The sunnah is your fitra. The sunnah is the system. Okay? Um and uh, uh, I, I think I think you guys remember when we covered this, right? That sunnah in usul al-fiqh means something different to what it means in fiqh, which means it's different from uh, from salah. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, as I said, when it comes to manhaj, right? Um, the sunnah when it comes to talking about Allah subhanahu wa taala in terms of His way, in terms of the means that the earth has been uh, given for us to interact with, etc. Okay, so. There are some aspects, for example, of the sunnah that are, are obligatory. That would be, for example, the acceptance of the Prophet ﷺ statements in general. Sometimes they are recommended. So, and if, for example, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, here uh, in a hadith narrated by Bukhari, uh, the Sheikh uh, Uthameen quotes Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an. He said, and I quote, and as narrated by, uh, by Bukhari in the book of Nikah, hadith number 5213, it is from the Sunnah that when you marry the virgin over the non virgin, that you will stay, stay with her for seven nights and then the time will be equally divided. So the equal division, the equal division of time. As you as as is obligated, okay, to do between the wives, there's an exception to that, which is when you marry the virgin, um, when you marry the new when your your new virgin uh, bride. This word sunnah, mina sunnah, is not saying it is a recommendation to do so, but this is the way of the Prophet sallallahu and indeed, as according to the majority of scholars, this is an obligation. So this word sunnah is not yani, from the, the it's not the word of the legal realities. But anyway, like I said, you can go back and find that littered throughout the uh, the years that we've been uh, studying this at this point. All right. Uh, Marina says the ways that shaitan tries to throw off the believers who pray is not always obvious to us. And this could be one example. Yeah. Yeah. I, correct. I mean, I, I do, I do get the point, though. Yeah, you know, what a crazy example. When's that going to happen? And it is very unlikely, but you know, 
you do see you do see things. You got me thinking now. You see, my, my head's been turned. I've now been thinking in my head. When was the last time that I saw a madness? When was the last time that I saw a, a total madness? But I can't remember it. I can't remember a madness. But I do believe that what Salan says, I could I could see it happening. I could see me going for it. I could see it. I could see it happening. That Manziani thinks, right, you know what? I need something a bit extra right now. And go straight for, for Sajda. And by the way, by the way, let's not make it so crazy as well. Let's say, Yanni, you know what it is? Shazad, I'll tell you what. I think there's a lot more madness out there that you're not getting to see. I'll give you an example, yeah? All right, what if you're really tired? Like really, really tired. And you really want to get to the sajda. And you just see, oh, I'm flipping it, Harris, man. What are you going to do that for? I'll put it on pause, you fish. Flipping egg, man. What's the point of that? Anyway, that's game over anyway. Six off thing of, of Rashid at the moment. Anyway, dare anybody prints anything. Okay? Anyone says anything about a cricket, I'm going to kill him. Harris, you fish. Anyway, I reckon Shazad, someone's tired, they're going to do it. Right, let's have a look. The guy in the Har Ennis, honestly, man. Flipping plum. The guy, Mesa, the guy in the haram who went to Sajda missed Ruqur and even after he realized he didn't go back to Ruqur. Now, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Okay? Lutzi, you once mentioned that some guy did three sujudas and when you flagged it, he said, I know. <laughs> well, wait, though, wait, wait. That was intentional. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's not the same. That guy, <laughs> he really did think that you're meant to do three such deaths. That's different. Okay? He was not intentionally living, li leaving out a, or even adding intentionally. He thought, <laughs> he thought that that's what you're meant to do. Okay? He, he thought that that's what you're meant to do. Anyway. All right. So, um, so just keep that right. Okay, on top of page three hundred thirty. Uh, so, for example, another. This is actually a really good example. All right, you see, that's always what you do: just throwing cam under the bus. Now. Uh, Abdullah ibn Zubair has a hadith, okay, narrated by Abu Dawood in the chapter of the prayer, hadith number 754. Uh, Abdullah ibn Zubair said, Okay, it is from the sunnah to place the hand upon the hand in the prayer. Okay, it's from the sunnah. Salaj. You're making it out like you've never been to Al-Huda before. You're living in the capital of Desinus, okay? The capital, Mississauga, where there's nothing but Pakis here everywhere around you, right? And that's all Pakis do. Oh, behave yourself. What, because they're early hadith? What, because they're more educated than us lot, yeah? Because we're Pandus and they're all Jimmyat early hadith. Unbelievable. Exactly. Now, focus here. Minas Sunnah is from the Sunnah to put the hand upon the hand in the prayer. 
and it's also been narrated um, the same from Ali radiallahu an, as the same kind of statement. Okay. Now, if you think about this, if you think about this, this statement is not actually referring to the Sunnah of recommendation that this that, that the fuqaha would be uh, uh, using, even though we know that this act is only recommended and not obligatory, as per the per the vast majority of scholars. I'd love to say consensus, but as you know that there are some zahiriya, and this is one of the problems with Sheikh Al-Albani and his kind of interpretation that if something is done, it has to be obligatory. And I'm not saying that's exactly what it is, but that's where that thinking leads you to. That's the benefit of the madhabs. And uh, uh, that's a learning point that people should be aware of. But uh, uh, I want you to appreciate that what Abdullah ibn Zubair is saying is not, not using the word sunnah like the jurists use it. He's using it as to say, this is the way of the Prophet This was his way. This is how he used to present the prayer. This is how Allah expects it. This is how the Muslim stands like this. Okay? That, I think, is important. Whereas, according to the scholars, the word sunnah here, according to the latest scholars, because the word sunnah for us is a part of a classification of whether to make an act haram or makruh or sunnah. Okay? That means recommended. Mustahab or mustahabba. Okay? It only means sunnah. So... Sheikh says that sometimes it's good that when you are explaining these words, you do explain in what context you're trying to say it. And that is important. Okay, when you're speaking to people and you say it's from the sunnah, okay, to do this, it is it is important or useful, depending upon circumstance, to explain what you mean, right? Um, it is important that you, 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 that you establish that what we're talking about is from the fundamentals of Islam versus some minute, uh, from the minutiae of fiqh. All right, because normally sunnah is from the manushay of fiqh. Sheikh then gives an example about different things. He says al istiftah, which is the opening du'a, as we covered. He said this is a sunnah. The Sheikh Uthaymin himself he said the basmalah is a sunnah. You know that, in my opinion, uh, I consider it to be part of the Fatiha, and a hundred percent whether I'm right or wrong or not, then you should always, on the safe side, recite the Fatiha. Uh, with the basmala, like as if it's an obligation, but obviously we covered that in detail in the in the right se section. But Sheikh Uthameen considers the basmala to not only not be part of the Fatiha, but to only be a Sunnah of the prayer anyway. Sunnah to say Amin Sunnah to recite a surah after Surah Al Fatiha. Whatever it is, a Sunnah. Anything that you say other than Subhan Rabbi Al Azim or Subhan Rabbi Al A'la in the Ruku or Sujood is a Sunnah. And all of these, Shaykh Uthameen says, are verbal Sunan. The word Sunan is a plural of Sunnah. And then he goes to recite out loud in its right place, such as Fajr or in Isha or in Maghrib for the Imam. Then this is a not, he doesn't call this a verbal sunnah. He says this is a sunnah action, which I agree with. I agree with that. And for example, to elongate the recitation, to elongate the recitation in Fajr, for example, compared to Maghrib, this is a sunnah. 
but this is not a verbal sunnah, even though it would be a verbal elongation. But this is a this is an action. This is an action of the recitation. It's a description of the recitation. Okay. Um, and likewise, to recite silently in Dhuhr and Asr, this would be another sunnah, and this would fall under the category of the sunnah of uh, a verbal, uh, 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 an active sunnah, an action. So you've been given all the examples, you know, Subhanakallahumma bihamdika and all the rest of it, yani Subhan Kuddus, Rabbul Malaik Ruh, these are all verbal sunnah. And then the uh, 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 practical sunan are what I just told you. Okay, for example, elongating the uh, choice of surah to recite out loud in the loud prayer, jahri prayer, to recite out quietly in the sirri prayers. So that's an example of each category. Uh, Fasiha says, what do you mean usually when you use the word obligation? When I say the word obligation, I mean that which if you do not do it, okay, then you are sinful, and when you do it, then you have full, and you are you and you and you are uh, required to do it by necessity, okay. And, uh, and when we're talking about uh, in the prayer, yeah, then correct, yeah. Then then look up in the previous lesson. Sorry, I thought that you were talking just when I'm saying the word obligation. But if you mean in the text, then I mean it different. That which itself is obligatory to do. However, if it's forgotten, then you can fix it with the sajda sahu. However, the ruken is something that if you forget to do in the prayer, you must go back and do it wherever you are in the prayer and then do sajda sahu. I explained this actually in, in the beginning of a few lessons of this year as well. And that's coming up, by the way. Okay, that's coming up. Here's the interesting part, which we're going to, which is the final part of our uh, discussion and the lesson today. Okay. Um, Sheikh says, it is not legislated to have to perform the prostration for forgetfulness if they are left out, meaning the sunnah are left out. But if one was to perform it, then there's no problem with that. That's a very interesting statement, okay? So we don't have to do it if you miss out sunnah. So for example, if you didn't say subhanakallahumma bihamdika or you didn't recite a surah, okay? Then as the author in this statement is technically saying, if you didn't do that, then uh, you left it out intentionally as well, okay? You do not have to say the sajda, you don't you don't have to do the sajda sahu. Okay. Sheikh Uthameen says, um, yani when a person says la yushra, okay, when a person says it is not legislated in 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 the in in legal uh, speak in legal terms then this means it's neither obligate this is very important okay this is why this is going to get an interest this is this discussion is going to get interesting it means that it's neither obligated and neither a sunnah right it means that it's not been legislated it has not been asked of you to do it neither on the form neither in the way of obligation and neither in the way of a recommended act so you are neither obligated to do so and neither are you recommended. So, for example, um, a person, he forgets to recite the Fatiha. This is again according to Sheikh Uthameen. Yeah. So, <laughs> So, 
okay and he gives a reference to page 57 in this volume okay all right volume 3 page 57 he goes which is where we discuss this all right he basically says if we assume the position that that the basmala is not from the fatiha and that is the correct position sheikh uthaymin says okay so he's indicating that there is a difference of opinion he's indicating his own position as i said again i think it is from the fatiha and at the very least even if it's not you should assume so I always, that's my basic principle when it comes to fiqh, that whenever there's a difference of opinion on a matter whether something is, is sunnah or obligatory, I always treat it like obligatory, especially when it is within an act. So the basmalah, for example, is part of the fatiha, there, uh, it is there, thereabouts anyway, why would I not include it? Rabbi ghfirli, Rabbi ghfirli. Where else am I going to say between the two sajda? I'm going to treat it like obligation. The, the, the wudu, as I'm starting, bismillah, this is not a scientific method. This is not an accurate or certainly not an academic method. It's what I call a practical method. Anecdotally speaking, the masses like to practice Islam like this. And there's a reason why the masses like to practice Islam like this. It's because the nation has agreed upon this principle. It is a natural, easy way of practicing deen. You, you avoid the differences of opinion. You avoid that which is risky and that is a point of contention by just covering it and doing it. Now, some will argue, hold on, that's, produce, that's putting into the religion that which is not from it. I said, I never said it was legislate. I never said that it was obligatory. I never said that you must do it. I'm saying it's an easy, practical way of practicing your Islam. So anyway, Sheikh Uthameen says, if we say and assume that the Basmala is not part of Fatiha, okay, therefore not obligatory, and there was a person and he forgot to recite the basmala, right, in his prayer, then it is a sunnah. Does he make a sajda for sahu at the end of it or not? And Sheikh says, there is no sajda legislated for him. sunnah. If, if this is only a sunnah act, if he was to do it, the action would become high quality. The prayer would be complete. It would be akmal. It would be the most complete version of the prayer offered. And if he didn't do that basmala, then there is no harm which has been caused. And therefore, there is no sajdat uh, sahu that he needs to do. Neither is he obligated to do, neither is he recommended to do so. Okay? Again, this is based upon the opinion that the, the basmala is a sunnah. So just that I don't forget what's going on here. Let me just catch up here. Question, if someone recited aloud in Dhuhr or Asr intentionally, where would that stand? Given that reciting in those quietly is a sunnah. So this is something which would not invalidate the prayer. Okay? The prayer is not invalidated by this act. It is not haram to do so. Um, and he has basically gone against the sunnah. Because it's sunnah to keep it quiet. It's sunnah to keep it quiet. Yeah, Akmal beyond sunnah is back. Correct, Fiza? We're rocking that, Yani. Maya, right? Juwairiya. If you recite loudly in the prayers that are meant to be silent, praying by yourself, what does that fall under? Makro? This is what I understand it to be. To be a disliked act, but I do not think that the prayer is affected in terms of invalidated. You have left the sunnah and done something which the Prophet did not do. Okay, question. If the legal status is neither recommendation nor obligation, for a miss sunnah, how does that stand yani concerning introducing an unlegislated act? Could, come, could some say that this is bid'ah? Absolutely they could. All right? They would 
you could. Others will say that this is a permissible act and they will make an analogy to where it's normally done. And I'll give, I'll, I'll give an example of that soon. But that is the danger, right? When something is not legislated, you are opening the door for it to be a bid'ah, but not exclusively as we're, as we're about to see. Well, let's let Sheikh Uthameen argue it out. Mesa says, so if you do an act that hasn't been asked of you, but you do it anyways, how can that be okay? Okay, same, same. You're saying the same as Sumer. Shams is saying, if I miss something which is not an obligation, that's coming later, Shams, okay? As I've said, that's coming later in this right section. Sheikh then now gives another example at the top of page 331. He goes, there's a person, he forgets to raise his hands as he goes into ruqua. Is it legislated for him to make the sajda sahu? The answer is no. It's not legislated because this act of the raising of the hands as you go to ruku'ah is a sunnah. And therefore, we can say as our rule after these two examples that every sunnah that the praying person, the musalli, he leaves out, then they are not required to do the sajda sahu. Neither are they obligatorily required, neither is it recommended for them to do so. And that is basically what the author is saying. And the reason for all of what we said is because if you leave these items, the prayer is not invalidated. So why are we having to ask someone to make a sajda sahu? We've already said that a prayer is valid without them. Okay. If you say the prayer is valid without them, then why would, when you leave them out, you'd have to do a sajda sahu? That's a contradiction in terms. All right. Um. So that's that, 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 that's clear. So that's that's the point. Now, then he says, but if he now makes the pro but if he does decide to prostrate, then there's no problem with that. This is a really big statement to make for some of the reasons has been mentioned already. Let's take this apart, okay? Where in sajada falabas a law sajada sunnah fala inna toptal. Okay, so if a person did that if we um intention yeah, yeah we're talking about intentionally yeah so a person says that if we intentionally left the sunnah out okay we leave the sunnah prayer we leave the sunnah aspect out and you then do the sajda okay because you left the sunnah out then your prayer has not been um We will not say that your prayer has been invalidated. And she and Sheikh says, okay, I'm gonna translate literally. Yeah, it's better than me just summarizing because yeah, this is this is this is pretty this is pretty meaty stuff, okay. Um Sheikh basically says that you have increased in your prayer something which has not been legislated. And something which is not legislated, according to our author, is not something which is not allowed, if you like, in Islam. It's not nafi mutlaq. Wa illa lakana sujud bid'ah. Sheikh Uthameen saying that obviously accord, uh, according to our author, okay, according to our author, 
our uh, the way that he has defined the word legislated is clearly something different to the other fuqaha, to the other scholars. And I would argue to the majority of scholars, but we'll come to that in a second. And according to him, if you increase and if you do an action that is not legislated, you've only done an action which is not legislated. You haven't done an action which is completely new. That's the argument, right? Because Sajda Sahu, and this kind of feeds in quite kind of, you know, uh, uh, it dovetails with this idea from some of the scholars about the concept of bid'ah. Now, you will remember that I have spoken before that there are some approaches to bid'ah which are very straightforward and clear, and they're very beneficial because you just don't mess about, you don't flap around, and, you know, if something's dodgy and new and not practiced, then it's just bid'ah and end of story. All right, so I want you to think about this for a second. That is clearly the approach of people want to keep religion simple and easy, and that's it. And there are others that want to be more academic about it, and they say, well, bid'ah is not all the same, and there are different types, and we need to be a bit more academic about it. And you can see their argument as well. A classic example of this would be the differentiation of bid'ah, innovation, into two categories. The first category is a bid'ah mahda, which is a pure bid'ah, and a second would be a bid'ah idhafiyah, or you might translate that as a supplementary bid'ah. Okay? Now, a number of the scholars, classical scholars, they, they introduce this differentiation. A bid'ah mahda basically means a pure bid'ah, an action which has absolutely no basis, i.e., in the third rak'ah of Dhuhr on a Wednesday, we will pray the Fatiha like this, Alhamdulillah, with one foot up off the floor. I've actually got a foot up off the floor, and I realize that you can't see it, so that was a bit silly. But one foot off the floor, hopping around, and whatever. Now you'd say to yourself, what on God's earth is that? What's the foot off the floor for? Why the hands on the head? Why the third rak'ah? Why only Dhuhr? Why on a Wednesday? Like, this is pure bid'ah, pure. Verses, verses. Um, in my book, in my in my opinion, celebrating your birthday. So, if a person was to celebrate the birthday, okay, I think this is problematic for many reasons. The least of them being the Islamic. Okay, that's my personal opinion. Right, I don't celebrate birthdays. I don't like my kids celebrating birthdays. We don't have that Yanni system. In our house, etc., etc., despite the obvious pr pressures from family and so on and so forth. However, I want you to appreciate that Islamically, I think this is a minor issue. Why? Even though it will be argued, it, it could be argued to be a bid'ah, an innovation. And you might say, well, hold on, it's got nothing to do with religion. And the answer to that is that, yeah. Religion itself is not the point, it's, it's the ibadah. And ibadah are those things that a person um, starts to hold dear, do regularly, feel that there is some kind of, you know, um, this is an argument, by the way. This is an argument that can be put forward, right? That this is something which should be done and can't be missed out, and it comes back around again, and and which is the only... It comes from the word uh, and it becomes an aid and of course the Prophet ﷺ said that you only have two aids okay you only have two days which recur and you celebrate regularly okay now some scholars said that well hold on this is referring to that which is purely religious not referring to things that need to be marked 
So for example, you know, every year you might need to do a check on something or you might need to commemorate something or you, know, you might need to memorialize something or you might need... So there's already that argument, whether it's religious or not. But let's just assume that it is religious. Even if it is religious, it's not completely baseless to say that the birthday is a nice moment. It is the day that you came into this world. It is a way of remembering, Yani, that you need to be grateful to this, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for your life. Um, I don't think it makes mega sense. All right. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me because you're getting older and getting closer to death. And once you start getting older, you realize and how, what a stupid idea the whole birthday is anyway. But in principle, in principle, right? Um, people want, want something to celebrate and just to chill out with. No one's claiming to be religious. But the really interesting thing is, of course, is that we have the hadith in uh, Muslim in which the Prophet ﷺ, he said that I fast on Mondays and this was the day that I was born. Now, what this hadith shows is how you celebrate a birthday with ibadah. Some scholars said, well, hold on. The Prophet ﷺ could have given a number of ilal uh, or reasons to actually fast. Okay. However, the reason that the Prophet ﷺ gave was to connect it to him being born. Others will say, hey, يعني, the Prophet ﷺ yeah, that's me, Ghassan. You know that's me. Okay. Um, the Prophet ﷺ, you know, being born and saving all of humanity is something to celebrate versus you. Yeah, and you know, what have we done? But my point is, that's the difference between a pure bid'ah and something that we can see has some dodgy, uh, dodgy, weak, tenuous connection. When we have someone trying their very best to make a connection yeah you could not possibly you'd have the greatest con artist on the planet and he could not make the third raka'ah praying like this yani a connection to it being correct whereas i could sit here and i could give a good account of how celebrating a birthday is not the worst thing in the world it's celebrate especially if you especially if you don't do anything haram you know you don't do anything actual proper haram right then it could be that's the difference between a bid'ah mahda and whatever. So, of course, in this position right here, and I'm going to carry on reading, okay, that's important. But Sheikh Uthameen is basically saying that according to uh, Imam al-Hajjawi, alayhi rahmatullah, there's a difference when a person removes entirely the uh, uh, act, a brand new act that has no basis, versus, versus, yeah, and someone who's, we have an act already, and we're going to, we already use it in arkan. We already use it in wajibat. I can see it being. I can see it working in sunnah as well, even though the sense is not there. Now you may think this is outlandish. You might think this is, has no base. All right, but I've been thinking about this, and I'll, I'll give you some examples in a second. But let's just let's just carry on with what Sheikh is uh, uh, what Sheikh is saying. Okay. So Sheikh then says some of the. Uh, fuqaha, of course, disagree with what the Sheikh is saying, with what Imam al-Hijawi is saying, i.e. that if you uh, bring an... Uh, what is Imam al-Hijawi saying? That if you do an action which is not legislated, then all you've done is done an action which is not legislated. You haven't created a brand new action and it's, and it's bid'ah. Other uh, scholars beg to differ, as, as in uh, al-Insaf. They said, 
There are other mainstream scholars from the Hanbali school themselves who said, hold on, if you left out a sunnah and you did a sajda, then your prayer is invalidated because you have done an outright bid'ah. So this is straight down the line shooting, which makes a lot of sense. You have introduced an act which is not from it, no reason for it, no basis for it, no evidence for it, bam. That's bid'ah and your salah is invalidated. Because once you've said it's not legislated, it becomes bid'ah. And every bid'ah is a misguidance. Is a misguidance for the sajda فقد أتى بزيادة غير مشروع غير غير مشروعة فتبطل الصلاة لكن المذهب أن السجود لا بأس به إلا أنه غير مشروع. He goes, but the scholars will clearly say that you come and do a innovation. It is misguided. It's يعني something which يعني has no basis and your prayer is invalidated. And as Mesa says, and I will come back down to the questions in a second. This is definitely what makes more sense. And it's يعني saying it is it is. Uh, you know what, what Fidda has said? It's not a million miles from that. It's like adding a third sajda. I mean, it's not, but it's along the same way. So that's the position. However, he... Uh, he I'm still here, yeah? I think I am, yeah. Um, yeah, of course I am, yeah. Um, the, uh, however, Sheikh Uthameen says that the madhab, though, the position of the Hanbali school, and this is the official position, is that if you do this act then it's okay it's no problem but it's not legislated now as, as we're saying right now what does not legislated even then mean then now Sheikh Uthameen says the second position in this matter or the second statement or the second opinion rather on this matter is that that to make the sajda sahu Okay, when you leave out a sunnah act is actually legislated. It is actually part of the prayer. This is regardless of whether the sunnah is from the aqwal or the af'al, meaning whether it's a verbal one, verbal sunnah, or whether it's from the actions. This is because of this is because of the generality of the hadith of the Allah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if any of you forget, then Make two sajda. This hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim. It's going to come later on. Okay. Hadith Sahih Muslim 572. Okay. This is narrated by, by, Imam, uh, by Imam Muslim. Okay. I repeat. If any of you forget in the prayer, then make two sajdas. Okay. And if therefore... So the idea is, and it's even more so that if we, yeah, no, that's not offense at all. Okay. And in fact, that's a good point. Whether we, yeah, that's a good point. What is it? No, no, I think we need to finish. We try to finish this. Because we have a big section coming up next. So let's try to finish this. So uh, the chef says that especially, although there is a lot. No, it's not that lot. Okay. It goes, especially if you know that you have left out that sunnah and you forgot about it. If you do sajda, then you're going to always be aware of that. You're going to mentally and emotionally remember that action. 
and you're not going to then forget next time because you don't want to be praying a prayer that has sajdas all the time in it. That you're having to do all the time in it. So you'll stop then forgetting that sunnah. Okay. That Sheikh says that what the author mentioned, okay, in his original statement, that it's not legislated, but if he does it, then it's not a problem, actually leads to a beneficial principle. The Sheikh is saying that actually what the author is indicating is that it's possible for something not to be legislated, but it is permissible. This is what Sheikh Uthameen is saying is a principle that can be taken from what Imam al-Hajjawi said, i.e. that is something is not legislated, but it can still be permissible. i.e. a يكون جائزاً أن تتعبد به وليس بمشروعين وليس بمشروعين أن تتعبد به وقد ذكرنا لحد أمثلة فيما سبق يحضرنا منها Sheikh says, I've mentioned this before I can think of a few examples off the top of my head, and he's going to mention them now. He goes that basically it is permissible to use to worship him, but it's not legislated to worship him with. For example, Awalan. You know what it is? This is going to take some time. This is going to take some time. I don't think we should do that. Oh, you'd be surprised, Zaf, by the way, by Sheikh Uthameen's position. Yeah, I, you know what it is? Uh, let's, yeah, I think so. I think I don't want to rush this. This is actually very important. I don't think, uh, but listen, let's just, let's just go back to the, the questions because I don't want to miss out the questions and then we'll assess whether we go, all right? So just bear with me. I'll come all the way down to the last question that I answered, which is... Joeria, uh, yeah, fifteen minutes ago, folks. Okay, if you want to look at the if you want to look at the questions. So, say you enjoy reciting out loud in salah. So, say you enjoy reciting out loud in salah, and hence look more forward to the loud prayers and lose focus in the silent ones. And is it is it always better to follow the sunnah, or would it be okay to recite out loud as it gives you more khushur? Will the sunnah always trump your personal khushur? Kind of like how closing the eyes is not sunnah, but you might have a more focused salah if you do. This is a very, very good question because if if Juwadiyah was asking, I'm struggling so much in my prayer, can I close my eyes? I would always say yes. And yet, when she asked the question, can I now uh, you know, pray out loud in the loud prayer? I don't know of any scholars that's that's going to wholeheartedly say that. They might yani, allow a temporary X, Y, Z, whatever. Now, in fairness, there's a difference between the two because closing the eyes in the prayer is something which is accepted yani, for a reason and been seen and it, it allows uh, focus. And not all the scholars said it's makruh. Uh, some said it's permissible. So there's not the same difference of opinion on the eyes. But the answer to your question is absolutely no doubt that the sunnah is better than what you consider to be the key matter in your khushur. And that's the key point, right? You are saying that my khushur is affected. In actual fact, what really you're saying is that I've only developed my khushur within this paradigm and I need to work on my back, back issues and, and researches and tafsirs and my connection to the ayat and 
my prayer area that I'm in and the silence of where I am, etc., 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 as opposed to just immediately saying, well, let's see any sacrifice the sunnah on that altar. That's the that's the issue. Okay. So Harrison asks, if reciting quietly in uh, Dhuhr is sunnah, could one recite out loud? When we say sunnah, we are not only indicating that it's sunnah to recite out loud, we're also indicating that it's disliked yani, to, to go against the system as well. Now that might not make sense, but it's something which the Prophet never did. Never did, despite his every single prayer being noted. Okay? Sarah saying, do you have to be consistent with the sunnah aspects of the prayer? i.e. the raising of the hands before the court in some prayers, but not in others. In general, yes. Even although, legally speaking, the point is, is that you don't have to be consistent or you don't need to do it all the time. The issue is this, and this is, what's, this is why I didn't want to cover the rest of it today because there's actually a lot more to discuss. There's something I want to add as well. There's a difference between sunnah or sunan that you do all the time versus sunan that you only do yani, irregular. There's also another aspect, which is why we have to do this next week. And that is that sometimes you intentionally leave out or add a sunnah to mix up the prayer to make it alive again. So sometimes, and this is the big shocker, and I will, again, we'll cover it next week, you might not recite a surah. And now hardly anyone would ever miss out a surah in the first raka'ah of a prayer. But you'd miss it out just to slap you back into life because you're in this zone where you're going to read, then I'm going to read, and that's it, I'm just going to carry on. And imagine if you said, Ameen, and you just said to yourself, no, I'm not going to recite. I'm not going to recite. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Allahu Akbar. Bro, you do that, your whole head is messed up. In that tasbih, you're going to be thinking, what did I just do? What on earth did I just do? Right? You're going to be thinking, you realize you're in the prayer again. Vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis your normal four-raka auto, uh, autopilot, brain dead prayer which had zero meaning anyway and you weren't connecting and you know at the end of the prayer you you just went through the whole thing at least you stopped in the prayer and thought and reflected and you know it was something so that's a strategy point i'm going to talk about that next week if you perform a sajda sahuda is not required why is that itself not an that's obviously what we're covering right now right uh, meaning, meaning got the giggles in Maghreb, totally lost our minds for no reason whatsoever, plowed on until the end, but then repeated the prayers. We felt it was just messed up. We didn't mess any ruken, we just giggled a lot. Were we correct to repeat or was our prayer still valid? You were correct to repeat because in the section of the invalidators of the prayer, we mentioned out laughing and smiling. Smiling is the limit. And once smiling with sound comes out, then this is called laughing and that is an invalidator of the prayer. So Imam al-Hijawi's understanding of a legislated is not, is not the backdrop, but there is a corollary to the bid'ah idhafiyya. Okay? All right. Um, uh, da, 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 well done. MashaAllah. Solange, I'm glad that you sang to him. I wish that my mom would sing to me. All right. Uh, I don't think it's a prob problem to celebrate your birthday with, with, to keep your parents happy. No problem. I don't think it's a major issue. Anniversary is the same. Anniversary is the same. It's not just, it's not major. It really isn't. Okay. I, I, I just don't like it. Right. But I'm old school. When I wasn't saying I don't like it. I don't mean I don't like it personally. I don't like it because of its connotation. I don't like weak religious values. I don't like people who are forcing to have to do things that are not from their deen. But that's just me. I just, I'm very jealous about the religion itself. 
And I hate to think that people cannot, you know, make themselves happy, entertain themselves within deen and religious practice. And birthdays are not our practice, by the way, just so that you know. But that's it. So fasting on your birthday is not a recommended act, Riaz. Let me just make that clear, okay? I'm using it as an example. This is the point, Joelia. Candles on a cake and making a wish and all the rest of it. That's that's the problem, all right? But attending a family birthday invite to keep the, the, the family ties, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, all right? I don't think that that is a problem. It's not taqabbar Allah, minamkum. It's taqabbal Allah, okay? Taqabbal Allah with a lamb. May Allah accept. And it's not with a kaf, it's a qaf. Not taqabbara, it's taqabbala, okay? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from me and you that people say after the congregation. I do believe that is a bid'ah. I do, okay? Um, now, sometimes a sunnah to miss a sunnah, i.e. not making it becoming by fard. Absolutely a valid statement. That's very much yani, a, a part that we need to establish in the prayer, 100%. Okay? Um, and Bilal says, you would not recite after the Fatiha if you are trying to catch the prayer on time as well, like we discussed before an example. Yeah, but that's a bit different. That's because you're doing that for a need. I'm saying you've got plenty of time and you intentionally leave it out to try and freshen up the prayer, to try and bring you out of your malaise. That's very different. Khomi says, is that the same as praying the four sunnah of Asr and four of Isha? No, this is different. Okay. That's yani, a, a, uh, 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 this is not part of our discussion at all. The four sunnah of Asr and four sunnah of Isha, some madahib don't accept it and other scholars do accept it, but they accept it with the caveat of calling غير muqada as we call, as us Pax call it which is their way of saying غير muakkad. It is not an emphasized sunnah, not one that the Prophet ﷺ did regularly, but it's allowed to do because he did it a few times. Now, someone like me would, would bring into question the evidences that would even establish even it being done a few times. I don't think it was. However, uh, uh, according to these scholars um, of the madahib, they do consider it to be something which is a, uh, a, a legislated and regular act. Have you not... Uh, yeah, so have you noticed, Yani, that they consider it to be a regular uh, sunnah? All right, um, but that's something different. That's not not part of the prayer itself. That's Yani part of the the debate around sunnah prayers. To say Jumaah Mubarakah, okay, I think there's some space for that. Again, these are judgment calls, and that's so important. And that's the the, the important thing about studying, right? That that theoretically. Things are haram and halal, bid'ah, not bid'ah. But when you're with a teacher, a teacher will indicate to you that, listen, this doesn't make sense. It goes against the rules, but there's some nuance here. All right? And at that point, you just learn a very important lesson that nothing is black and white. And there are things that I sometimes don't get and not everything always makes sense. That's, that's one thing. And secondly, when you question your teacher on the reason because you want to understand you then you, you you're kind of idea that some things are political or some things are based upon strategy or some things are based upon outlook right so the word jumu'ah mubarakah okay you can either look at it from a very strict point of view which is that the prophet didn't do it and that's the end of it and that's a very safe valid way of accepting something at the same time there are other scholars that are saying it is clearly a great day and it's an Eid of the week, as the Prophet ﷺ indicated. And it's a day that is the greatest for our actions. And it's the day which is the greatest of our celebrations. 
So we are congratulating, we are celebrating on that day practically. Okay, so what I've done is I've added, okay, absolutely, it's the real Thank God It's Friday, correct? It's the real TGIF. What, I, what I've done is to put my happiness of it being Friday into words, and I'm indicating it to people. So it's a, it's a viewpoint. It's a, it's, a, it's a different angle of looking at the same action. Now, clearly, from someone who's more academic-based, the position that it has no basis has more strength. But would you consider this to be haram and yani your the level that you call a person out over an action is based upon just how unacceptable the act is and more than just what the evidence suggests but also what the scholars are suggesting and their leeway and so on and so forth and people need to be careful like i'm currently teaching obviously the last breath right now yeah and the last breath obviously it's a lot of detail right and we put it all into a single weekend and it's a really nice class mashallah and in the issue of, for example, what do you do when your beloved is passing, is in the in al-hidar, uh, meaning in the last moments? What do you say? What do you do? What do you recite? And I speak a lot about creating a zone and a mood and an ambiance, which is one that the angels appreciate. I talk about mood, lighting, dhikr, Quran. And then, of course, the hadith comes up of iqra'u yasin ala mawtakum. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have said, recite Surah Yasin upon your dying ones. Now, by all intents, this hadith is weak. And my personal belief is that it is weak as well. And by all intent, the vast majority of scholars did not practice uh, from the early generations, did not practice this hadith. And so therefore we would avoid it. But it's not the end of the world. Even yani, if someone was, you know, uh, 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 agreeing or disagreeing, the point is, is that when it comes down to the issue of Quran, nobody's going to argue that uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that when you are with the sick and the angels are present, then only say good because the angels say ameen. This hadith in Sahih Muslim. Only if say good. Now, when you say say good then there's nothing better in saying good than reciting the Qur'an. So we've already got a general evidence to recite the Qur'an. So the only problem is, is that we're now focusing only on Surah Yasin. So that could potentially be the bid'ah act. And if we're if at maximum, it's going to be bid'ah idhafiyah. And that's only if you don't accept the hadith. And what if you think the hadith is authentic? So you're not going to go to town on this issue. Now, there are people that will be saying, yeah, no, no, the hadith is weak. And the story, if the hadith is weak, what can you say? If I suddenly say, by the way, Ibn Taymiyyah, used to practice this act. People are like, Rah! oh my God. Right? And for them, it's like, oh, okay, then what if Ibn Taymiyyah did it, then, well, then that's it. But this is my point. My point is, is that these issues are never straightforward. These ones that have had interpretation of principles versus exceptions is an act covered by a general act, a general recommendation. And it's upon... It's upon Practicing Muslims who are students of knowledge to not treat everything as black and white. This knowledge will benefit you in your own ibadah, in your teaching, but it also benefit you in not embarrassing yourself. You know, making yourself look so stupid, Yani. You know, in what you do and in doubt. At the moment, you know, it's not hidden. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't bother Googling, okay? But I know that the majority of you do. This Daniel uh, Hakikat Ju uh, uh, guy from the US and all of the fitna that Yanni is surrounded, you know, when he writes and etc. whatever, it's clear the guy's got some skills in debating and, you know, takes on lots of things, whatever, which we've been doing for donkey's years. But the guy does it in a way by attacking individuals, which again is not a problem if they deserve attacking, attacking but Yanni slander straight out slander you know you say about a person this is what he intended when the person himself like Umar Suleiman for example he's someone who promotes uh, 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 lesbians or gays or whatever whatnot when he very clearly states what the belief of Ahl Sunnah is unacceptable this that whatever blah 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 so this is the, 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 the problem okay when you have dishonesty but that's not the issue the issue that I'm talking about is when you are criticizing a person for making a decision, okay, for making a decision which is at best only politically problematic. There is no supporting that act. There is no uh, uh, believing that that's what the Muslims should do, blah, blah, blah. But recognizing that the community is making a stand and I need to be there representing the Muslims as well. And I know there's going to be problems there, so I have to try to minimize that. I, have, I know that the association is going to be, guilt by association is going to be made, so I've got to try and minimize that as well, and so on and so forth. So my view is, is that the greater benefits that will be achieved of my presence being there is what I'm going to go with, even though I don't want to be there, and then you go. And then you've got another person who says, so obviously we can't be making alliances with these people, and we can't be promoting their act and whatever, whatnot. And you know what? And uh, so, by the way, are you trying to say you justify that behavior? Oh, well, you don't? Okay, all right, then that's good. Alhamdulillah, at least you don't. Then you know what? Don't go there. And it doesn't matter if the Muslims are not uh, uh, on the front page as being condemning, whatever, whatnot. And, you know, there's no, there, there is no loss in the long term because we protected our principles and whatever. Now, that's also a valid position, by the way, a very valid position. What's completely and utterly disgraceful and invalid is to make this difference in political strategy or opinion or the idea or the appreciation of where the community should go. In the land of the kuffar, by the way, people who are living and dependent upon the kuffar day and night, so they're doing ishtihad day and night, to differ so much so on the further extension of how we should, how far we should go, not on fundamental beliefs or fundamental aqidah issues, but on the application of the political the uh, position that it deserves to be, yeah, any person should be attacked and called eggs and called that's disgraceful and it betrays it betrays such a lack of knowledge, experience, and immaturity. And normally, you see people grow out of this nonsense. And that's, that, that's the problem. Yani, you shouldn't be speaking if you need to grow out of something. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really problematic. So this is my point. The, 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 the reason I mention that is because it's the same principle. There are always correct principles to hold, but all principles were not created equal. And there are some principles that are very that are that are quite okay to differ on. And when I say all principles were not, were not created equal, that's also in Aqidah as well. Not all Aqidah points are the same. To believe in Allah, not believe in Allah is not the same as will I see Allah in the Akhirah 
and not see Allah in the Akhirah. Okay? Or, um, oh, sorry, not uh, see Allah in the Akhirah, sorry. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> uh, did uh, the Prophet ﷺ see Allah in the dunya, or did he not see uh, uh, Allah in the dunya? Now, these are bo both points of aqidah, both points of belief. The companions completely differed over these two. Even words got a little bit exchanged. Ah, uh, he said that, but in actual fact, he doesn't know that this is what I saw. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. So straight, straight down the line, yani refutation against one another without any emotion, without cussing, without saying he's a plum, he's a compassionate, he's this, he's that, he's a meme, he's X, he's Y. Yeah? Versus, yani, we're going to destroy a person who says it's okay to believe in Allah, not believe in Allah. Right? Or some stupid like that. And that's also in the same chapter of Aqidah, but they're not the same. All principles not created the same. Right, anyway. So if a child, uh, where are we? If the child, if a, can I make dua personally for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the mistakes in the prayer and accept it from me? Of course you can. What would be the point for preventing that? If a child does something constantly during your prayer and you can no longer hold your laugh with sound, despite a lot of effort, do you need to repeat the prayer? It was completely unintentional and after a lot of effort to avoid it. Yeah, I think that if you, so by the way, uh, 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 we cover this in detail, so you need to go and check it, but um, there's one thing which is, you know, um, laughing is <laughs> right, smiling is that so, what laughing is invalidator, uh, smiling is not an invalidator, and <coughs> it's not an invalidator, even though that was a laugh because you were not. We're not smiling and sound. So, if you can't hold your laugh, the prayer is invalidated. Because I've been in that scenario, okay? And the way that I get around it, because, there, you know, when you can't hold something, it's impossible, right? So, you cough it out because it's the sound that's trying to get out your chest. And that doesn't invalidate the, 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 the prayer. But if you are smiling at the time, and you make that sound, that's a laugh. That's a laugh. All right? Can I make dua personally for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the mistakes in the prayer and accept it from me immediately after completing the salah, after every salah, will that become bid'ah? No. Um, it is a sunnah to say astaghfirullah after the prayer anyway. And some said three times as the hadith mentions. You know how if we miss a sunnah in wudu, such as rinsing the mouth, we aren't supposed to go back to it. But we can rinse after completing the wudu. It feels similar to missing a sunnah in salah, but we are still disrupting the salah before getting done entirely. Yeah, any such a norm here in the Philippines that right away they'll play Surah Yasin. Yeah, I think the problem is just yani, the the artificialness of it. Okay. Uh yeah. Omar Suleiman is just yeah, correct, correct with that, correct, correct. All right, so if you control the giggle in a way that the body moves but no sound comes out, it's valid. Yeah, I do. I do. Do you have to complete the prayer and then repeat? If you if you laugh in the prayer, your prayer is invalidated. You have to start again. Okay? You do cut it short. No way. It's Jack. Miskina. Oh, ha. All right, guys, I think that's enough. I've seen something very funny, so I need to stop. And um, Barakallahu feek. What was the answer for what? I said, yeah, it's okay. I said to you that the prayer is not invalidated. 
All right. Okay, guys. Um, the Telegram group join. We're going to get used to that, inshallah. Uh, the Toronto uh, class coming up next weekend or weekend after, I think. And uh, keep us in your du'as and all that kind of thing. I've got an operation on Friday. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for khair. I'm getting out of here. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. See?